This week's show contains so much foul language that when we tried bleeping them all out, the entire episode sounded like one long continuous beep. So instead, here's a warning right up front for you. If you don't want to hear pretty much every cuss word imaginable, or if there are sensitive ears around, you might want to take discretion. Okay, now on to the show. Beast Radio. I'm Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. You may have seen our work and easily mistaken it for a photograph. From drawing portraits, flowers, shoes, and even my pigeon dunk, our guest today is an artist who's shaken the art world from a single colored pencil. Okay, well, maybe thousands of colored pencils. CJ Hendry is an Australian artist whose hyper-realistic drawings blur the lines between art and photography. From a colored pencil to a million tiny little scribbles, She is creating pure magic that simply could not be done without extreme levels of focus and precision. Nowadays, the art world has become a breeding ground for more conceptual and experimental based artworks. But CJ keeps her work grounded using the bare bones of her fine skills to create masterpieces. But where she really shines and differentiates herself is the exhibitions. They are highly conceptual, interactive, and always fun. It's almost like the artwork is merely an excuse to have a good time at an exhibition. CJ has clearly done something right when it comes to hype. While the artist can easily show off her impeccable talent, it's really her forthright and earnest approach to the art that's allowed her to successfully navigate this world in what she calls the longest con game ever. So let's get into this week's guest on the business of hype, CJ Hendry. Cool. So before we get too far into all the stories and all mm-hmm. the the waffling. <laughs> You're picking up on the lingo. I yeah. like it. Uh-huh. Um, introduce yourself. Who do we have today? So my name is CJ. I CJ what? CJ Hendry. Okay. A lot of people say Henry. Fuck you. It's Hendry. <laughs> Way to start it. <laughs> it always happens, whatever. Um, I'm an artist. And yeah, I'm Australian. Okay. Yeah. Should we begin by saying that this episode will have a lot of expletives in it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, you know what? And I will say I only use um, swear words because I, I don't think I have the vocabulary to like link sentences. Mm-hmm. So I just like you throw You emphasize in, by F-bombs. I throw F-bombs, at, right, like right. all the bombs in there because I don't, I just don't know what a good linking word would be or descriptive mm-hmm. words. So mm-hmm. I just put fuck in there. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a personal question. Yes. Is CJ the birth name or does it stand for something funny? Catherine Jenner. How feminine is that? Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Catherine uh-huh. Jenner, Catherine but not Jenner. art friendly. No, well. Maybe is, when you get older. I think if Jenner I started at like pearl necklaces, uh-huh. Catherine is perfect for that. <laughs> right. Like something super girly and basic. Have you been CJ pretty much all your life? Always. Okay. I don't know why. When I was younger, I like went to my mom. I was like, mom, I don't like being called Catherine. Can, like, and I was like, can we do a rebrand? Do you know what I mean? And then I think, I think CJ just kind of clicked from like grade five. What's that? 
maybe nine or ten. So mm-hmm. I've been CJ for a lot of my life. Okay. And yeah. how do you describe what you do? I just say art. I just mm-hmm. spend a lot of time just like creating drawings and installations and exhibitions and things. Yeah. I just do the things. You're really. a working artist, working yeah. professional artist. Yeah, I guess so. But I, okay. I don't – talking about myself as – even like being on a podcast is fun, but like you're never going to get a whole lot out of me. You should probably talk to like Elsa, my studio director. She'd give you like more honest feedback. But I'm like, yeah, you know, I do the things. How long have you been a professional artist? I think about eight years. Okay. I dropped out of university, mm-hmm. not doing art at all. What dropped, were you studying? I was doing architecture, mm-hmm. dropped out of architecture. Then I went to go do accounting and finance mm-hmm. and I dropped out of that. Okay. And I kind of stumbled into doing art but before uni were you like into art you had to be super talented i had a base level talent Uh but i didn't quite know how to make it into a thing Mm -hmm. like i went to a school where you were encouraged to become a doctor a lawyer Mm -hmm. something professional with a degree there wasn't much focus on like you could become a a rapper or like, (laughs) you know, these things, you could become a social media content influencer. No, are you kidding? Go and get a professional thing. How about your parents? What did they want for you? Did they? They wanted the professional. Mum is still like, you should go and finish your degree. I'm like, mum, are you kidding? What am I going to do with my finance degree? Roll into like Credit Suisse (laughs) and be like, hey, yo, ready to trade now. Like, I don't think it works like that. What do your parents do? Mum is a retired teacher Uh and dad still a little shady we it's like it type computer systems and okay smart people computer things okay i i don't quite know how to explain <laughs> it because it's like so hard to explain my sister and i are like is that really what you do yeah, yeah. i mean if anyone has seen your artwork or uh-huh. the process of it i think one of the things that comes to mind is a many many hours of work but also like almost an insanity level of patience and persistence Right. Yeah. So that's why I say, like, were you born talented? Because I don't think it's a type of art where it's like, for lack of a better description, like a Jackson Pollock type yeah. thing where you've discovered this like almost a, like a trick. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the trickery the art. The trick art. Do you know what? If I came back as a different artist, motherfucker, I'm coming back as a spray paint god. I'm just going to do like spray paint school dots. <laughs> boom. I'm done. See ya. Like, right. Yeah. What is, uh, so describe your, describe your art. So I make the type of art that's like for the basic, I'm going to say basic person because like I'm a basic person. Like <laughs> people are like, oh, that's art. Uh-huh. You know, it's like for, for the regular consumer, they're like, you, you oh, think wow. So? Is that what you do? hundred percent. Because, you know, in the art world, it's got so little to do with skill. Uh-huh. It's got, it's not even about that. It's about concept and everything but skill. So I just <laughs> happen to make a skill-based work, which is just the, the most frustrating. The yeah. wrong one. The wrong one. Fuck. Damn it. <laughs> and I've tried the you other stuff and I'm not need that to good. Be, you're saying you don't no, need to be skilled no, in the art world. No. But you picked the one pr- I know, side that's I like. I fucked up. I fucked it so badly. <laughs> You should anyway, have just stuck a banana on the I, wall. You would have been. Oh, we'll get to that. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, genius, to be honest. Wait, so, okay. Uh-huh. From birth, were you like sort of doodling and like trying to be like really skilled and accurate with your artwork and drawings? I don't think I tried to be accurate. It was just the thing that came naturally to uh-huh. me. So I was always had a base level skill. But I think to make the type of work I make, you do, you said before, like you have to have that borderline insanity focus. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something I have 
always had. When mm-hmm. I was young, I used to swim professionally. So okay. I represented Australia swimming for many years. I know. Crazy. Yeah. You were like on the national swim team? Yeah. Like missed out, oh, just shit. missed out on the Olympics like twice. Okay. And then I think when I missed out the second time, I was like, oh, you know what? Uh-huh. Throw in the towel, literally. You're like literally. <laughs> literally. <into the> pool. <laughs> exactly. Like, see you later. And I haven't really done any sports since. But mm-hmm. I think when you swim at such a high level and you train so much and you're trying to balance school and everything, you really learn a level of focus that's uncomparable I think to anything I've ever done before and I think maybe through that it's kind of taught me what my capacity is Uh I I, I don't know but I I, like the training and like everything that's required I don't don't think about it much I just know I am very focused Mm. I've got like a innate ability to sit down in anything I do actually Mm -hmm. say I'm like trying to do something I'll sit down and I won't stop till it's done yeah are you OCD I must have some levels you of it, must, but I'm right? not crazy, crazy. Oh, but really? No, I don't think crazy, crazy. I think some of because I, I really think OCD is a not a disorder, but like a functioning. Uh huh. I, I I don't know what you call it, but I don't it think is. I'm full OCD. But there's a level of focus and and intensity about yeah. the way I like go about my work and uh-huh. the way I, the way in which I work and the structure I have in my day. I think most people think of an artist as like you sit down and smoke blunts all day and get high. <laughs> I don't. I don't do the drugs uh-huh. at all. Like I just. I just. You're get up. sober when you do the art. Always sober. Yeah, I might like have a cocktail here or there, uh-huh. smoky margs, but like, uh, just I love to work. I okay. love it. When you're doing the artwork uh-huh. itself, do you get into a meditative state or is it like you're working? No, it's not hard. Mm-hmm. It's so meditative, and the only way I'm able to work is when I'm listening to podcasts. So, in all honesty, I've listened to. All, all the episodes that you've done and yes. I love it. True. When you messaged, I was like, this is awesome. I'd love to be a part of it. So I've listened to all yours. I listen to so many podcasts, so uh-huh. many audiobooks. Okay. I like kind of watch Netflix, but not watch it. It's kind of peripherally on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'm listening to. Yeah, you got to watch your artwork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, but I'm listening to like shows and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I have to have something going on. Okay. I can't just sit there with no noise. I mean, with nothing mm-hmm. going on, I'd go crazy. Right, right. So you went to uni. I want to just back yeah. up. Like, I'm assuming throughout college and university, you were like being a semi-professional sort of swimmer yes. athlete, right? Yeah. So no intention of like, I can be a money-earning artist. No, absolutely not. Like I said, I was going to go and do finance. I dropped out of architecture because I didn't see the long game. Uh-huh. But I was like, oh, there's a long game in finance. Like, I know yeah. how to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure like, you know, just wing it. Learn I'm sure it and wing it. Yeah. Learn it and wing it. Yeah. Do a trade. I, I don't know, even know what they do there, <laughs> to be honest. But I was like, it can't be that hard. Right. And then I think, I think toward the end of my degree, and I still haven't finished it, but toward the end I was starting to do art uh-huh. and I was just working in retail and it just kind of all came to a head. I was like, I wasn't doing well at uni. Mm-hmm. I was getting there but not doing well. I was working in retail. I'm like, is this what my life is? Like just a whole bunch of nothing. I'm mm-hmm. like, fuck, let me just give this a go. Just let a me whole give... bunch of nothing, damn. Literally because I was failing at uni, uh-huh. like I wasn't doing well. And I was like, I can't. I can't probably get a job with my marks. Like yeah. I'll have to bullshit my way into a job. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just didn't didn't feel right doing that. So right. I'm like, why don't I just try drawing full time for a year? So I quit my job, dropped out of uni and just gave it a literally a red hot crack for a year. What did your parents think of that? They're so devastated. Yeah. So mum would have dinner parties and she's like, maybe you should stay downstairs. So this <sighs> is when I lived at home. And she's like, no, don't you shouldn't. No, don't talk don't to my talk friend. to friends. No, of course <laughs> not. It was, I mean, think about it. My, my parents are like super hardworking and conservative, conservative South Africans. I don't know if you know any South Africans, uh-huh. but yeah, just if anyone's listening and they know like 
South African parents, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And I think it's just about like hard work and um, morals and mm-hmm. that type of thing. And for this kind of like flippant kid to just be like, right. sup, yo, going to do some drawings. They're <laughs> like, living, what yeah. the hell are you doing, you They're crazy more, Are they like sort of honest day's work, honest yes, day's pay kind absolutely. of thing? Yeah. And honestly, I believe in that too. Like uh-huh. I, I think, you know, there's no shortcut to hard work mm-hmm. as much as what people might think is happening nowadays. I just don't think that applies, to be honest. Yeah. I think things can be sped up, but I don't think hard work is eliminated. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, they were just like, I don't understand how or why. And I yeah. don't blame them, to be honest. Like, it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. Even now, mm-hmm. a lo- lot you of artists. You have to pinch are, yourself a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people and young kids are trying to get into the art game. They're like, how do you do it? I'm like, I just don't think there's one answer. You uh-huh. kind of get in and... And we were actually saying before, like you can be an artist and exist within the art world in so many different ways. Yeah. Like, do you do you want to say what? Yeah, what I was talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Could like, you? I had, it was a really good story. I actually. hired an artist to to do my dog to uh-huh. paint my dog, and I was like, "How much do you want to charge me for that?" You know, and I I exist sort of peripherally in the art world of yeah. like cause and you and like I'm thinking like. You know, and and this person wasn't a big time artist, but I was assuming like a couple thousand or something like that. She's like, how is $200 cool? And I was like, oh, wow. Like, you're like a working artist, like with no hype and manager and agent and gallery. It's just like your your time you thought cost you $200, which is like without any added fluff, that's the real cost of art. 100%. And there's something so endearing and something so lovely about that, mm-hmm. to be honest, because the game I'm playing is is very different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But it just depends on like... Your your risk tolerance, I think. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I talk that about talk about that a lot because it's like not many people might want to take the risks I take and do the things at mm-hmm. the crazy levels I do it. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't be great. Yeah. You know, it just depends on what you want out of the whole thing. You do you know? think at the root of it, what you do and what this other artist does mm-hmm. is the same, but you're just it's exactly the same. Okay, don't you think? Yeah, I, mean, I think it is too. Yeah, it's exactly the same. It's just. The way in which it's packaged up, uh-huh. it's the way in which it's marketed and, you know, yeah. the, the ex- whatever it is, right, you know, right. I just enjoy the showmanship mm-hmm. of the, the level. Yeah. yeah. And then, so let's go back to that one year that you decided to yeah. dedicate to art. How uh-huh. did that one year go? So what I, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. I, so my parents were like, what are you doing? How, like, they're not going to help me bankroll this crazy idea. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, gosh, how am I going to get the things I need to be able to make this happen? I sold my entire wardrobe on eBay. Okay. I made That's so dope. much money. Yeah. It was fucked up. And, <laughs> and I like, I had all these designer things. I used to work at Chanel. I was like, uh-huh. you know, just had all these things. I was, you worked at the Chanel store? Yeah, I worked okay. at the Chanel store, spent all my monies on all of the nice things. Uh-huh. And I was like, fuck it. So I just sold everything and I left myself with like, plain white t-shirts and denim shorts okay. and that was it and i had all this money well not remember all how this much money. you raised on ebay <laughs> a fair a fair bit it was it was six ha- figures yeah whoa yeah it <laughs> you was had a, you, you had a lot of shit it was really a lot of shit <laughs> so I, I sold it all and then kind of was able to kind of get the quality of materials that i wanted to start with which uh-huh. is crazy i hadn't even done one drawing yet but i'm like i want that stuff and that stuff he's <laughs> like but why just start on normal paper i'm like hell no i'm starting on the good stuff uh-huh. so i went right to the top right yeah. at the beginning and then i just kind of gave it a go and this is when instagram everyone's got like a back in the instagram day mm-hmm. but this really is when instagram was just kind of starting out so i just would post 
drawings on Instagram and uh-huh. par- partially way finished and finished and that type of thing. If I was doing what I did then now, I don't think it would work. But back then yeah. it was kind of like, wow, this is amazing. But there's so much beautiful content now that mm-hmm. uh, nothing's that extraordinary anymore, you know? But when you started on mm-hmm. Instagram, mm-hmm. you didn't have a lot of followers, right? No, not at all. I didn't have a lot of followers, but I, that, the goal was never to gain followers. It was uh-huh. just like do the work, mm-hmm. put the work out. See, like, yay. Were you selling art in the first year? Um, yeah, I, I sold art in the first year. But people just DM'd like, hey, this is really nice. Like, how much? And I was like, this much. Mm-hmm, cool, mm-hmm. great. And it could just kind of happen that way. Okay. Um, slowly. And then I, I signed with, um, well, my manager at the time, a guy who owned a blog called The Cool Hunter. So he wasn't in the art world. He was just a guy with an eye. Okay. And he was like, hey, do you want to work together? I was like, sure. So we did some interesting things together for like maybe two years mm-hmm. and then I broke away. I'm really skipping here, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And was just doing art, kind of selling it. And then I yeah. wanted more. I didn't just want to make the art and sell it. Mm-hmm. To me, that wasn't, that's not exciting. Like just like make and sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just has no, con- right. it wasn't enough for me. So I'm like, gosh, I broke off and wanted to build a bigger narrative around each. Okay series and right piece uh, i want to drill down a bit for any like aspiring creative or artist listening Mm -hmm. when you say i sort of teamed up and signed with a manager Mm -hmm. what does that entail i I would assume it entails giving up some money that you could make right but so break it down like typically how does a manager artist deal work so I think most artists would sign with a gallery. So okay. I, and he wasn't a gallery, but let's just say, let's yeah. talk in a gallery setting. It's, I, I believe you'd sign with a gallery. I don't know what the split is. Let's just call it 50-50. I don't know if that's it. It could be 64. I'm not sure. Okay. But My, it's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. It's yeah. a lot, but they help. You are then just able to focus on the work. You just make yeah. the art. They deal with the other thing. Right. The sale of it, which is, I think a lot of people find really awkward is like selling. Yeah. Your work. So that way someone else can do it. Right, you know? right. What and was not, your split with this guy? 60-40. Him? No, I was 60, okay. he was 40. That's still but no, we a, had, we, felt the, feels a lot to me. It but is, I but guess, that's just how it works. But yeah. he was great. Honestly, we did mm-hmm. great things together. Okay. We really did. And I learned a lot from him. And we just came to a stage in our working relationship where I think we just wanted different things out of it. Like I wanted more narrative. I wanted to go bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And he just was more interested in just like just sell the work. And yeah. I was like, I I don't, that's already established. Right. I want to build more storytelling. And by the way, this is all happening in Australia. Um, so yes. Far in and this. then I moved over pretty soon, actually. I've been in New York for, we're going in year six now. Mm-hmm. So I'd only been doing it in Australia for like two years. I've okay. been a longer artist in America than I have in Australia. What was which is the crazy. need to leave Australia? Honestly, mm-hmm. I, I found... Uh, in Australia, there's a slight um, – I didn't think I'd be accepted in Australia in, with the art I was making. Um, Australia is more conservative, ever mm-hmm. so slightly, and mm-hmm. there's some talented artists, don't get me wrong, in Australia, but ever so slightly more conservative mm-hmm. and I wasn't really prepared to change my style and do like more old school type of art. Like yeah. I wasn't feel like I was – I didn't feel like I was fitting in. I didn't feel like I was being as well received there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck it. If I'm not being well received there, let me come to the US and – Did you also just... find on social media you were getting like a global audience? When you think about it, social media is all around. So yeah. I could have done this anywhere. Mm-hmm. North Pole, I could yeah. have moved to anywhere. But we just moved to New York. My right. boyfriend at the time, we kind of were like – he was like, oh, I want to – 
go overseas. I'm like, same, let's do it together. And we're uh-huh. just fresh dating. And we didn't have any expectation of staying together, but we just kind of like moved over like, oh, yeah, New York's fun, you know. Oh, your parents must be loving this oh. story. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you just met this guy and now you're going to go to New totally, York Totally, like maybe we were like six months to a year into the relationship and we're like, yeah, let's just like wing it. Let's go over. They but probably I thought you were good, joining a cult. Probably. <laughs> I probably am in a cult. I don't <laughs> even know. <laughs> So, yeah, but I mean, I'm really glossing over it. But, yeah, we just came and I just have the attitude with stuff like just give it a fucking crack. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just an Australian thing. But I think <laughs> a lot of people think about like like think about yeah. how it's going to be received. And I'm like less thinking, more doing. Just give it a whack. Like you'll figure out if it's wrong pretty quickly. <laughs> people will tell you if it's a bit shit. Like right. what are you going to do? You can think about it all day long and people hypotheticalize so much in their mind. Yeah. I'm like, nah, just get into it. Seriously, there's a lot of overanalyzing of stuff sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. you're just, you don't overanalyze. I'm all action, very little thinking. And uh-huh. I come unstuck a lot, just yeah. so we're clear. But I think I'm able to like move very quickly, fuck up quickly, hmm. learn, like do the wrong things quickly. And That's awesome. Yeah. Like my practice is, I would say very similar to a startup, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like things happen very quickly. It's not like the normal uh-huh. rate at which art happens. Yeah. I, right. I don't even think there's any rules anymore, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So fuck it. Okay, now let's back up a little bit here. CJ went from wanting to become an athlete to an architect to a banker to finally realizing she wanted to take a stab at, well, the simple task of drawing. Little did she know, though. When the time came to make some big decisions in her life, she started what she calls all action, no thinking. She went all in on a relentless pursuit of art. Now, you've heard the term tunnel vision, right? Well, when we hear that term, it's easy to have a negative connotation to it. But for CJ, it actually works in her favor. I personally love the all-action, no-thinking thing, because for most people, common sense would tell you the opposite. Think first, act after carefully weighing all possibilities. But CJ was at a point in her life where she was tired of all the questions and hypothesis. She just wanted to get to work. She stopped listening to doubt, second guesses, and that ever-annoying inner voice. And perhaps this might actually be the secret to how she's able to make her insane photorealistic artwork possible because of tunnel vision. The amount of time, detail, and patience it takes to make the work she does could only be possible by being that hyper-focused. Perhaps some of us can apply this to our lives even if most people think it's a detriment. After all, the dictionary definition even calls tunnel vision defective sight in which objects cannot be properly seen. But I think we could all learn a bit from CJ that if we can channel this type of hyper-focused fixation into achieving the goals we want without giving into our doubts, just imagine the possibilities. So when you, how was it transitioning to New York from Australia? It's fine. Yeah. I, I don't think we, we had a, we got a studio in Tribeca. So uh-huh. lived and worked there. Um, I don't know. I, it was good. I just made art. Literally. I just, exactly what I was doing in Australia. I was yeah. like drawing all the time. I came to New York and just drew all the time mm-hmm. and worked toward an exhibition. 
Um, and then that's... Wh- which was the exhibition? That was the one in Soho. Okay. That was the one you went to, so remember? I, that's the yeah, one I forgot. Yeah. What year was that? Uh, that was maybe like 2016? Okay. 2015? Four years ago. I don't ago. remember. T- could have been 2015. Okay. Who knows? Who cares, to be honest? <laughs> but I did that show and I was like, ah, oh, there's still something missing. Mm-hmm. And these were like, um, just to give you a description, you took uh-huh. over a, a storefront ground yep. level in Soho mm-hmm. and you had oversized, really big artwork yeah. and also objects as well. Yes. But they were sort of referencing things in, um, I mean, you you will describe this better, yeah. but like, I'll tell you from an outsider, it was uh-huh. like, to me, it was like referencing things in like urban hip hop, New York City culture, yeah. like. So a Yankee hat. Totally. Like, yeah. So I called the show the trophy room. So it was okay. all just like objects in life that are cherished and uh-huh. it, like a Yankee hat or a, like a, a, what was it? Like a play, like old school PlayStation, yeah. like a Coca-Cola bottle. So all these like iconic objects. No, they might not be relevant now, but like, and then we bronzed them all mm-hmm. and then put them on trophy bases. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just called the trophy room. Yeah. Like Lego man was there, uh-huh. Mr. Potato head, you know, right. a lot of toy references and, and then yeah. huge productions of them too, like huge drawings. of Yes. Them too. Huge drawings, various different scales yeah. and yeah, two levels of a, of a space in Soho. And right. it was nice. It was a good show, but there was still something missing. Like there was, it was well produced, but it, people just came to the show just to look at the art. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And it, I didn't understand how to change it at that time, but just coming to look at art in a wall just doesn't interest me. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I don't like to go and look at people. But you're describing a gallery. Yes, but I just (laughs) judged it in a different way. Like it didn't look like a gallery, but in its essence, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, hey, come and look at the art in the wall. I was like, what am I doing? At the time you were trying to step up out of a gallery, but at the end of it, it was just still people looking at art. Yes, exactly. And then I was just so frustrated. I was like, and that's after that show is when I like broke away from my manager. So I did that show with him Mm -hmm. and then I kind of broke away and did my own thing. And I think that's where things started to get more frantic and not on my end, but people started to see something. And I think I used to produce the shows a little bit differently, the Uh exhibitions. Did you um, get a new manager? No, I don't have a manager okay. anymore. Yeah, I'm just And you like, don't have a gallery either? No, no gallery. Not that there hasn't been interest. It just hasn't been the right fit yet. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I think there'll be the right fit at some stage. Okay. Yeah. So what was the next show? Um, it was in Hong Kong uh-huh. with Christian Louboutin. So yeah. I partnered with Louboutin. And honestly, I don't often partner with brands, but wow, what a brand. They mm-hmm. were just like... Hong Kong, want to do a show? I'm like, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, there was no limit. There was no budget. It was like, do what you want, how you want to do it. And I was like, this is crazy. Because mm-hmm. usually brands come, they're like, hey, could you do this stinky little thing? And you're like, oh, <laughs> we were talking about that before. Like brand partnerships are often so whacked. And I I say no 99% of the time because I'm like, that's just not at all the trajectory I want to be going. Well, what have you found when brands reach out to you? What's the experience you typically get? I think typically they have a preconceived idea of what they want yeah and they just want you to like plug and play mm-hmm. your old shit into what they want i'm like mm, cool no and but i'm also like yeah. <laughs> i'm also not desperate for the cash uh-huh. so like i'm not i don't need to say yes i know i'm very fortunate to be in that position mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest but um yeah and it doesn't sit right with where i'm wanting to go with my practice yeah. a lot of the time well you can't blame them because they're seeing your work yes. on instagram uh-huh. which is the past the ones you posted right and they're fans of it and as a as a brand, they have like thing blank space X. You nailed it. You yes. I want to put your thing that I've seen six months ago onto my thing. Totally. How That's about a, it? Yeah, and let's you're do like, it. You're that like, sounds no. boring as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It just isn't 
where I'm wanting to go with uh-huh. my practice. But just so happened this Christian Louboutin collaboration mm-hmm. in Hong Kong was wild. They yeah. were so they were so trusting in what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and I hadn't fully done a crazy, I hate the word experiential, but a crazy like experience yet but I always wanted to. And yeah. I'm like, hey, how about this? So mm-hmm. we like molded these like high heels. They're so Kate, which is like their, you know, classic high heel in like crayon, mm-hmm. in colored crayon and people just went crazy on the walls. So they were drawing with their yes. high heel. uh-huh. Like go on the, anywhere, go. Uh-huh. And I did drawings to accompany like the whole series and the story. Um, but yeah, that was like the start. But And you were saying that like they didn't even talk budget. No. It was it just wasn't whatever even a discussion. you want to do. Yeah. That's sick. It was insane. So I, I always have so much respect for the brand. Mm-hmm. And I was already a fan. I'd already drawn like like Louboutin high tops and I'd already drawn products. Yeah. So I think that's how they found out about me in the first place. Oh, cool. Yeah. When a, yeah. When a brand or an opportunity like that comes yeah. out, do you, since you have no manager or gallery, do you just handle the deal yourself? Yeah, but we don't really negotiate and it's not – <laughs> It's inbound a lot. Like I'm uh-huh. never out looking for mm-hmm. work. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we just handle it, but we don't really send pitch decks. We, uh-huh. Well, sorry, I don't send pitch decks. People yeah. like send a pitch deck. I'm like, see, I'm out. Uh-huh. Like if you need a pitch deck, I'm not the not the gal for you. Right. It's like I'm just like pretty ballsy about it because I don't care mm-hmm. and I don't really want to collaborate. So I'm like, you, you either want it or you don't. And yeah. if you need pitch decks and you need me to do the sales pitch, nah, fuck off. I'm but like, how about I'm not, even even the inbound, like the contract and everything? Like, oh yeah, contracts are easy. You do it. Well, not me. Like my, I've got a crew, and we all not we all do it, but like someone does it. How yeah. big is the crew? It's probably like four. Okay. Yeah. And is there like legal and finance on the crew? <laughs> Although we do have like lawyers and stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. I'm definitely embroiled in some copyright shenanigans uh-huh. here and there. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's a whole different discussion. But yeah, there's like. Different folks doing different things. I think my main my main teammate is Elsa, who's my studio director. She's brilliant. She's mm-hmm. an accountant by trade, but very logical. So we have different strengths within my practice. So mm-hmm. like I have the crazy creative side of like this is what I want to do. And she's yeah. like, let's scale it back a minute. Mm-hmm. Or like how about this, how about that? And she'll kind of help with the contracts and, and organizing the back end. So I have very little to do with the back end, to be honest. She manages the inflow. Right. And how much time in a given day or week do you spend actually doing art versus all the other shit? I'd say I do eighty percent art because I've, nice. I've 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 done it. I've manufactured it in that way. I have an email which I don't check. So if you're emailing me, bless mm. your heart, you won't get a response. <laughs> like so, else is the person. Yeah. you know, she's my contact. Yep. If you've got my phone number, you're more likely. Well, you, that's the only way I would get a response. Mm-hmm. Or I'll DM people on Instagram and mm-hmm. just like do that. But email. I, I truly think email's dead. I know it's real, but like I hate emails. Yeah. Also, I, I can't spell to save my life. So uh-huh. <laughs> it's just a real shit show back there. Right. So yeah, I don't do much. Good. You're still doing a lot of a the lot, art. A lot. You have no like army of assistants filling in. I do have I do have one guy. Okay. Yeah. I do an, have an one studio assistant. assistant. Yeah. Yeah. He's brilliant. Cool. So, so talented. I'm so grateful to have him. Yeah. But no, I don't have a big squad and I don't want a big squad. I don't want to make a lot of work. I've always stood by that. Mm-hmm. I, I only make a certain amount of works per year and I'm not going to make any more. Don't care. Mm. Yeah. How about the scalability of your art? Do you ever think about like, you know. Make more of it? Well, if you're drawing every single one and it's 80% of your time, like how do you get multiples of that? How do you replicate yourself? You don't. So I don't, <laughs> well, you can't. <laughs> that, wouldn't that be ideal? Yeah. No, I don't. Um, I don't ever make 
copies of my original works. Mm-hmm. During a show, we might do like editions of the series, mm-hmm. so of the concept, but never of original. So mm-hmm. I, I'll never actually scale the original production. That's so, very rare, right? Most artists will do reproductions. Yeah. But that's good. Good for them. <laughs> I might just not down. So it's like when people are able to buy editions and they sell out very quickly, but when you are able to get it, it's like a, an, it's like one of a hundred of something within the series. Mm-hmm. Like we're coming up to the show in London and it's all around flowers and mm-hmm. dead petals and that type of thing. And there'll be editions, um, which I won't say what they are now, but mm-hmm. they are like incredibly stunning. Mm-hmm. But they're like n- not editions of my drawings they're different different but it's a it's of the concept yes i hard to explain yeah yeah, yeah, people will see it okay yeah so i I never want to scale it but that's just how i've chosen to run my practice there's brilliant artists out there who have armies of people doing Mm -hmm. their work and good for them yeah it's just not for me it's just that's not the way you wanted to do it Mm -mm. right i just love the i'm very intense i've bit of a control freak mm-hmm. and I just don't want that to be my practice. I don't want there to be a lot of my works out there. I want it to be a thing that is hard to come by. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um after the Soho show yeah. and you said you felt like it was missing something. Yeah. What was like the advancement of that so that you can add to it to make it more satisfying for Do you? You know that's such a good question. I don't know what clicked. This is a really loose connection but this could be part of it right i truly believe in like the space you're in Mm -hmm. can really help you the way in which you think i know that's crazy but like i think that's fact yeah Yeah. i think a bigger space if you move into a bigger space your ideas get bigger and when you're in a big space your your brain just gets bigger Mm -hmm. and so i moved from this like beautiful obviously studio in tribeca Mm -hmm to this monstrous warehouse in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And the the I truly believe that move changed a lot. Is that weird? I think that could have been it. Wow. Like the I know physical that's space. Literally physical space. I'm such a believer in physical space. People are like, ah, oh, it's just a studio. I'm like, it's not just a fucking studio. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I like lay it out in such a way. It's all open plan. There's no like little sections. I yeah. just like this big and enorm- i mean you've been to the studio mm-hmm. it's like this big beautiful enormous space yeah and we're moving to another studio which is even bigger uh-huh. um you know and i just i need i need that space and okay. no my drawings only take up like a minuscule yeah. section of that space but it's just being in a uh-huh. in a grand space gives i think me- it's like energy flow is that weird yeah, yeah i really think that's it i think the move to brooklyn changed so much for me wow so weird right yeah oh. well like you did this pretty amazing bouncy castle yeah. exhibition can you talk through that <laughs> yes well so, first describe the actual exhibition yes so last year we did an exhibition so i do one big exhibition a year mm-hmm. just one I, I could do more but no one's fine mm-hmm. otherwise they become just a bit shit and yeah. i'd rather do one monstrous fuck off holy moly exhibition a year so last year we did one in new york and the whole series was called rorschach mm-hmm. so a rorschach test is like a psychological test yep. that it's I don't think they use them anymore, but they used to in like the 80s and mm-hmm. 90s to like tell if you were psycho or not. I thought, <laughs> Depending whatever. on what you saw, yeah, you were, exactly. you'd get the straight jacket on exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it was. And I mean, nowadays there's different ways, you know, they've got pills for ADD and that type yeah. of thing. But back then they're like, you're just psycho or you're not. Yeah. And so the whole show was called Rorschach. And so I kind of mixed this really sinister Rorschach test with kids squish paintings Mm -hmm. and so the kids squish paintings i drew i did these squish paintings drew them and i kind of mixed this whole exhibition to be like well what is this 
thing you can maneuver your way through to be able to get to the Rorschach tests. Mm-hmm. And so we built this like enormous 3,000 square foot white bouncing castle, but mimicked a psych ward. So we got the like oh, the manufacturers of the bouncing like the castle. Padded walls. Yes, we got them to sew it because most of the time a bouncing castle is just lines. Channels, yeah. Correct. But we're like, hey, could you sew it so it's like squares? Mm-hmm. And they're like, we've never done that, but I'm sure we can. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. And so it really it looked like a psych ward, but yeah. it was a bouncing castle. So it kind of mixed that Skewed, psych ward sin- yeah. sinister with the children's bouncing oh, castle. So, okay. you know, it was it was a fun show and and so the the guests had to go through the bouncy castle sort of maze like thing yeah and then they get to see the art totally and you know i think there's a mix of people who come to the show some people are like diehard fans who just like love the art and some people are like who what i'm uh-huh. here for the bouncing castle you're like yeah, cool man yeah. so that's the thing you just kind of put on the show put on the exhibition and it's in the wild and how people experience it is mm-hmm. how they experience it mm-hmm. you know like you can't control it it's yeah. in the wild. It's like not your property so, anymore. Right. But I, if I'm your business associate, okay. right, if I'm Elsa, <laughs> I'd be like, wait, if we put the art up in a room, uh-huh. it will likely sell. But now you want to buy a 3,000 square foot bouncy castle and figure out how to get that shit made. And that's going to cost, I don't know how much, but we're like risking the bottom line here. Yes. Why do you want to do this? Well, uh, look, like I said, I, I dropped out of finance for a reason. <laughs> no, I, I've been fortunate in that my artworks do sell, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not so interested in that. Like, it sounds really vague, doesn't it? But like, I don't care so much about the money side. I just more care about the vision that mm-hmm. I need to create. And I'm fortunate that like the the exhibitions that I create, I were able to afford the build. Like, for example. We're going to an exhibition in London yep. in April, so mm-hmm. very soon, and we're renovating a church in mm-hmm. London. Renovating a church. I don't own this church. I'm just <laughs> renovating the church because it's it's not structurally sound and, uh-huh. like, people could die. Yeah. So I'm like, we need to renovate the ceilings mm-hmm. um, for this exhibition. And exhibitions might cost half a million Mm-hmm. To put on, yeah. which is crazy. Because to you, renovate this church might cost half a million. The, no, the whole show will okay. cost a half a million, like yeah. start to finish. Like, but then you're going to leave the church. Yeah, and then the, <laughs> the Church of England own the church. Yeah, and I just leave. Done. Right. See, so, yeah. is it a functioning church? Yeah. Well, it, there's part of it that's functioning, but the main or like the main part yeah. is unfunctioning because it's too unsafe because of the ceilings. So you're doing them a real good service. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. And I'm not. I'm not a believer. No offense. I'm atheist as they come. Uh huh. So this is real funny in itself. <laughs> the irony is not lost on me. <laughs> <laughs> that you're making this huge contribution yes, to, like, to like the Church of uh, God. something yeah. I don't believe in. Right. Anyway, um, so yeah, like, and the Bouncing Castle show, like, costs similar amounts. But I don't, I'm not focused on that. Like, it sounds so vague and like, what a fucking idiot. Who is this bitch? But I just, I'm so <laughs> much more interested in the the fun of the thing. And we make it back via selling the artworks, but not not as not by much, you know. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. Yeah, you know. So it's like just this thing. You're eating into the profits, hundred percent. But that's like the point. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I like don't care. I'm not so like desperate for cash. Like, uh-huh. We only need a certain amount to live off. I don't right. know. We live pretty frugally. Like I don't need all the things. Mm-hmm. I've had the things before. I still have the things, but I don't. The things. I love it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like the all things. the fancy things. I've, right. got, I've got that. Like it doesn't make your life any better. Mm-hmm. I just have so much fun. Mm-hmm. Like. Building these crazy things. Okay, yeah. can I tell you about the show in London real quick? Yeah. You're the first person I've told. Okay. Only Elsa and Lewis know. So we're renovating this show in London mm-hmm. and it's all around flowers. I fucking hate flowers. 
You hate flowers. You're drawing flowers like 100 hours a week right now. (laughs) Yes, and I have been for the last six months. But like flowers are just super naff. You know how like everyone's mum is an artist who draws flowers Uh or paints flowers. Like everyone paints a flower. They're Mm -hmm. like, hey. Yep. Like flowers. So I'm like, that's maybe why I hate them so much because like all that's like the go-to thing yeah. to paint or draw. And so I've kind of like been a bit skeptical about flowers, but I'm like, well, let's dive in. Let's go for it. But do it in a in a more unusual way. So it's not flowers per se. It's like the dead singular petals mm-hmm. that I'm drawing. But what we're doing, so the experiential side of the show, the drawings are one thing. And yeah. then there's this whole other build, which is like a whole different beast. Okay. But we're um we're drilling, we're renovating the church mm-hmm. to make it safe. Then we're drilling holes in the ceiling. And this is like a heritage listed building. So like whatever, <laughs> architects, whatever. So we're having to drill holes in the ceiling because we've bought 10 tons of custom made confetti. Uh-huh. And the custom made confetti is in the shape of flower petals. So uh. we've got these industrial confetti machines that are going to be pumping confetti down per, like consistently. Like it's snowing, snowing confetti, snowing confetti lit, and all petals. white petals. And it's going to just run consistently. So it's going to drop one ton a day of confetti. So on day, the day one experience is going to be very different from the day 10 experience. Okay. I'm but guessing constantly, constantly raining. raining, like snowing confetti. <laughs> Literally. So we the other day it's like we had a Broadway had, show you're building. Of course. I mean, just I love the product. I just I'm obsessed. Like it's so ridiculous. But people are like, but you just put the artworks on the wall. I'm like, that doesn't interest me enough. Like yeah, I, yeah. I want the biggest storytelling. I'm so obsessed with that. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, okay, let me let me add yeah, to that. So okay. I just got the invitation to the oh, show. Oh, did you? You got it. And ah. it's like an it's like an invite card, but it's actually filled with these petals. And it's like, I almost wish you didn't tell me because I now I get if you saw yes. the invite and then you go to the show. You're going to be like, ah. Oh. Yeah, the petals are sort of raining on the invitation too. Totally. But you wouldn't have known, like you got that invite not knowing that confetti was going to be no. the main thing. So the thing is, I was like, cool, Dior does all the flowers. You know what I mean? Like they'll do their, I, I was thinking Dior maybe circa 2014, mm-hmm. like they covered their entire rooms in flowers yeah. and that build was a million bucks. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. But I'm like, I've got to compete with Dior if I'm going to do all flowers. So I'm like, well, how can I do this in an unusual way that people aren't thinking about? People are thinking I'm going to cover the whole, the whole church in flowers. Yeah. But this is like a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm yeah. kind of like, I, I wanted it to be a bit like, oh, people are like, oh, I didn't, didn't think of that. Right, oh, interesting. Right. So yeah. the planning of this, right, <laughs> from all the way from like the one ton confetti machine down to the invitation, yeah, that's like you brainstorming this. It, we because it's that's like almost like an, a marketing agency is required to do that. Well, I I think we're almost a marketing agency, but mm-hmm. like I love that. I love the little intricate things that are so unnecessary. We could send out an e invite all day long. Are you kidding? That shit's yeah. easy. But that doesn't interest me. I like the physical, and people don't get physical invites anymore. You know, it's yeah. like kind of I like know. the touch. Evite, yeah, oh, evite, come to my e wedding. You're like. <laughs> cool bro like you know what i <laughs> right. mean i'm like fuck that so the physical really interests me and i think mm-hmm. my art is physical and people need to come to the show and, and people and this is like the fourth big exhibition where i've actually doing the thing i want to do yeah. so people now know they don't know what they're going to get yet but people are booking flights like people are yeah. getting frantic already it's getting crazy yeah, you're you're kind of building these like events it kind of is but yeah. unintentionally I, I think we touched on it before i don't really care if people come i just mm-hmm. want to 
build my idea. And if no one comes, I don't care. It's still a spectacle for yourself. Yes. <laughs> like you'll be alone in the church. Like yes, just, just letting like, yes, me and the dog Ace were just like, that's amazing. Like, but it does take a lot of planning. Like we were thinking of, you know, we were trialing these different confetti machines. We've been trialing for the last six months because mm-hmm. they're not strong enough. Like there's little dinky confetti machines that just go. Phew. But yeah. then we've found, Elsa found this company that made, industrial strength confetti machines like i didn't even know that was a thing right it's only for new year's day like like, (laughs) the one time in times square like we've got four of them too which are gonna be pumping like just insane the logistics of the shows is just insane so when people do come like have a good time y'all but like Mm -hmm. it's a lot but i freaking love it's just so much fun i love that you're taking the profits that you could potentially just be Mm -hmm. sitting on to like I don't know, buy land or stocks or jewelry and you're just sinking it back into the act, like the event and the experience yeah. of, the, of the art. But that's how I run my business. So mm-hmm. I'm in it. I'm playing a long game. I'm not so interested in the quick cash. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really not too fast. I'm, I, my practice will go much further and bigger than where I'm at now mm-hmm. because I don't take much out for myself and I don't need much, you know? So mm-hmm. it's just, we reinvest almost everything back in. Yeah take minimum wage you know we just pay ourselves knickknacks mm-hmm. but i just believe in what i'm building yeah it's not the right way to run a business don't listen to me do not <laughs> listen to a goddamn thing earlier when i asked cj how long she spends doing her art versus other things she said 80 percent of her job is making art let me repeat that 80%. Now, as a creative that runs a business myself, I can say that it is hard to commit that much of your time to the craft. Most people, even fine artists that I know, spend over half of their time dealing with finances, legal, staffing, negotiations, production, and whatever else a business throws at them. In contrast to my previous guest, the artist Daniel Arsham, who oversees dozens of staff and multiple companies. CJ is a self-proclaimed control freak. She runs a very tight ship, and this has allowed her to have full creative control over her art and her business. She has no desire to replicate her work to the masses, hire a huge production team, nor does she care to focus on collaborations to get a big check. She doesn't even really care if you come to her show or not, although I would suggest that you do. And at the end of the day, CJ cares about making her art because... Well, it's fun. Art has become a physical experience that she can share with others. And perhaps her laissez-faire attitude is what helped create her currency. Success for her is not weighted in dollars or likes. And as corny as it might sound, I think her metric is smiles. As she told us moments ago, she's had, quote-unquote, the things. And it doesn't make your life any better. And when she says the things... She's referring to the material things that are supposed to represent success and therefore happiness. Ironically, by not caring all that much, she has actually created more demand and more value for her work. Even she admits it may not be the right way to run a business, but by simply staying true to her art, it is the only business tactic she needs. Do you look at other artists who have um, scaled, like sort of uh, productified, if that's even a word, but like, you know, you can like 
buy trinkets of their art and like reproductions and collaborations and sneakers and little toys and stuff. How does that make you feel when you see that? Do you make do you feel like you're missing out at all? I don't feel like, like oh, I'm, I should have done that. Or you're no, like, no, fuck Because I can do that. I can switch it on at any stage. Yeah. I think in a time when everything's accessible and everything's easy to get, I kind of like the fact that when I do release editions, they're gone in like two minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I don't want it to be available all the time. And I no, I don't feel like I'm missing out. And I also don't think what they're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what you want out of your practice. Yeah. You know, so if there's artists out there who are like, oh, should I, shouldn't I? If it feels right, do it. Uh-huh. It just it's not what I want. Yeah. You know, I don't think there should be. Right. Yeah. This back to your original game plan of like, just stop, just work, just do just it. Just do yeah. your thing. Like, yeah. you know, this works for me. And if people try to replicate what I'm doing, they may come unstuck because their, their risk tolerance might be lower. Uh-huh. My, like I am... A gambler. The, the biggest, get, like literally, I'd probably do fucking well in finance because I... Mm-hmm. Like day I trading and I shit, right? I don't blink. Literally, I don't blink. Like invoices come in, I'm like, I don't blink at anything. Mm-hmm. We get sued for the copyright infringement, I don't blink. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that part mm-hmm. of the game, yeah. what what happens to artists and you're sort of embroiled in one right now mm-hmm. where like... Someone reaches out to you and says, I want to work with you. And then, you know, you say like, no, or it's not, it doesn't work out. But then you find out that they're using your artwork anyway in some capacity. Like they're essentially. Look, I would just say find a great copyright lawyer. Okay. um, If that's how you want to play it. Yeah. And I also think it's part of the game. Like I get sued. It's funny. Then I do like a copyright infringement drop. Like Uh what? It's just part of it. Like I think it's fun. I, I kind of play around with it on purpose as well because I, I just like to like test the waters a little bit. But yeah. I think in all honesty, if artists come after me and copy my stuff, I'll never go after them mm-hmm. because I just don't believe in that. Okay. I just think art is a, artists are all giving it a go in their different way. Mm-hmm. I've never gone after an artist and there's lots of artists who copy what I do. Yeah. But when brands mm-hmm. are like copy your stuff – that's a different that's different i see it very differently right because they've got the capacity to pay for your idea Mm -hmm. and when they take it yeah yeah, and they should whereas with artists like if they're mucking around and they kind of riff on your idea i'm like good for you that was funny i like that but when brands do it it's not so funny what's the brand that just had you had an issue no you put it on instagram no i'm not gonna talk about it it's it's just like you had a a moment on instagram of course i did but it's not even (laughs) worth the discussion honestly it's not even worth the energy yeah unnecessary totally it's not even worth the energy and right. I really believe in that. I like don't talk and think about stuff. Like yeah. I'm so focused now. Like I think also part of my levels of success have come. I don't celebrate the highs and I don't commiserate the lows. Uh-huh. I'm so e- yeah. so even keel about everything. Right, right. It's like a bit psycho. Like Elsa <laughs> and I had a chat about this the other day. She's like, sometimes I just feel like you're negative. I'm like, Elsa, I just like coast mm-hmm. no matter what. She's like, you didn't even celebrate this great thing that happened. I'm like... This just takes up too much energy Mm because we've got something else bullshit to deal with tomorrow. So it's like, I don't know if that's the right way to go about it, but I just like super focused, unemotional, just all straight down the line. Isn't that so weird? Psychotic. But I'm so I'm so passionate about (laughs) what I do. It's like how a serial killer operates. Hundred percent. I like borderline. I swear to God. But yeah, I'm so passionate about what I do, but I don't I don't blink while doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about you? You mentioned how you would never go after another artist because yep. art can be interpreted in so many ways. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the whole art world mm-hmm. and how it's like 
there seems to be like a smoke and mirrors and like there's this, you know, it's it's a funny thing. And like, yeah. I like that you poke fun at it sometimes yeah. and play with it. Yeah. But break it down as a working artist, what the inner workings of the art world is like. I don't know the inner workings because yes, I'm... Yes, you sh- do. You're in it. You I'm play. in it. I'm so far deep. But I like, know. I, you're I, in it in a different silo, but... Correct. But I, I you don't, have to acknowledge the system oh, too. Oh, 100%. I, I acknowledge the system and I understand the system. And I think what's so fascinating and brilliant about the art world, there's no rules, there's no governing body, mm-hmm. and everyone's just like playing big old games and it's just whoever's playing the biggest game wins. It's like whoever, it's literally whoever's who dares the biggest wins. bullshitter, Honestly, right? The better bullshitter. No, it's who dares wins. Like you brought it up before, the, the banana tape. The banana tape, tape yeah. Brilliant. Honestly, I'm not even mad. Uh-huh. I'm not even mad. I'm the type of artist who makes skill-based work, yeah. but when that stuff pops up, I just like clapping because it's brilliant. Uh. It's like so conceptually ridiculous. And the fact that people are questioning, is it art? It's art. It's done. It's it is you know. By the time you question it, it it's, is it's art. Exactly. Yeah. And I often think those are the most brilliant pieces. Are the ones where you're like, nah, that can't be. I'm like, ah, oh, they gotcha. They but got how you. about when you attach <laughs> real world finances to that? Like when when someone says that's a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Like then it's real. That's the genius of the whole game. <laughs> that's the fucking who dares wins. Honestly. Yeah. It's brilliant. And that was Periton, I'm sure it was probably a manual <laughs> behind that whole. That whole saga, but genius. Don't mm-hmm. you think? Oh, it's like a con game. It's the biggest con. It's a long con. Uh-huh. The I longest just, con The ever. longest con of all time. What's <laughs> that movie that's like the con? It's like Leonardo. Is it Leonardo DiCaprio? Like Catch Me If You Can? Yeah, Catch Me If You it's Can. It's that. Yeah. Don't you think? Since In the beginning way, of time. In a way, 100%. <laughs> and it's never going to change and people are like, oh, the, the art world needs to be more transparent. No, it doesn't. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> and the people who do it the biggest and the best are the, the baddest bitches and they nail it. Well, what it boils down to mm. is if you create something, right, you have to now put a price on that. Mm-hmm. And there is no possible no way to govern that. Yep. There isn't. Yeah. It's, there's no possible way. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the beauty of it, no way. Really. I think the higher up you get, it's like, you know, if people are really playing into it, it's like museum interest and who's collecting it. And it gets very wanky at the higher levels. Mm-hmm. And we're all part of it in different ways. Mm-hmm. And we have discussions with different folks all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think the people who are sitting up at the top of this, mm-hmm. like... Uh, are laughing the hardest. <laughs> yeah. No, but I was wondering, like, do these big gallery owners, do they go home and, like, really drink the Kool-Aid and like talk about how, no, this is really worth like $125 million or whatever. So it doesn't matter what they think it's really worth. If it's sold that much, that's what it's worth. That's what it's worth. It's worth what people are prepared to pay. Right. And there's just no negotiation. And that's what I, that's what I love about this. It's Mm -hmm. like finance on steroids. On steroids, uh, sorry. On On finance, yeah. Finance is now a governing body. Yeah. Art, still no governing body and there never will be. So if you really want to get into the game, Get into it because yeah. there's no limits. Right. Like it's insane. Totally. You can, yeah. Investors should get into the art world because there's no <sighs> penalties. I think no penalties, but you've got to be very astute if you're going to, you know, trade art. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know enough about it, but I know some very successful art traders. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. did you, um, do you remember the first, like that one year you took off, I was wondering, do you remember yeah. like the first piece you sold? Like what was the first deposit that you got for art for your you know art. it was probably a cash sale because like yeah i didn't have any of the business stuff set up yeah but it was just a black and white drawing with a pen how did you pr- price it to be honest it was quite logical i was like well i've spent 
this amount of time. Uh-huh. I think I worked it out. It was like 20 bucks an hour uh-huh. and it was 10 grand, which is a lot. But I'm like, oh, I spent ages doing this. And that's wow. not how I One of your first work. pieces was 10 grand. Yeah, it was big and it was good. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I don't, that. that's not how art is. It's not about skill. It's not about that. It's just, I so happen to make that type of work. Uh-huh. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that takes tons know, and tons of hours. But you know, there's, I always like to try and like impart some type of advice to to artists because there's a lot of really brilliant creatives who are like wanting to get into art and want to make art all day like what a dream what a privilege this is and like all i would say is like make the work you want to make and if you're after the money get into finance if the money is the thing that drives you you're doing it for the wrong reasons Mm -hmm. you've got to make the work that you want to make and if your risk tolerance is high enough you can probably do very well out of it yeah but you've got to like that side of it right do you know what i mean yeah but the work, it's its all about the concept and the work at the, the very forefront. That's Can you it. suss out when an artist is doing it for the money only? Oh, 100%. It's really? so gross. It's so naff. <laughs> Don't you think? Surely you can see it. So Surely with designers as well. Yeah. Yeah. Design is a little bit different, I yeah, feel. Yeah, I agree because it's scale and you can. And there is money yeah. always behind design. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. art, to what your point is, like you should do the art even if there's no money behind it. That's what it's about. And yeah. then if galleries and museums take you to the fuck you money level or you want to get to that you'll get to that but it's it's all about the art yeah. that seems so like you know pure doesn't it but it's it's not that pure but it, in its essence the work needs to be great yeah. i think the concept are you not at the, the fuck work. you money level yet <laughs> you, Yes. <laughs> I love I stumped you just now. I love I stumped you. Yeah, who, who knows what? Like, it doesn't matter. That's like, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. Like, well, look, we put on a heart. Like, it costs a half a million dollars to put on a show. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you don't blink at that. It's don't just, even blink. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's insane. Yeah. There's an age old saying, don't hate the player hate the game. That's exactly this. So a little context in case you're unaware. During Miami Art Basel 2019, which is one of the most important art festivals in America, an artist named Maurizio Catalan displayed a piece of art that literally was a single banana duct taped to the wall. The piece was titled Comedian and it sold for $120,000. Again, What cost about $5 in supplies and 30 seconds in production fetched over $100,000. Oh, and by the way, during the festival, another performance artist walked up to the banana and ate it. He was arrested. So yeah, art, it's complicated. CJ brings up a very important point, that being a successful artist isn't always about who has the best skills, But more so, it's about who plays the game correctly. Think of the art world almost as a lawless land, or as CJ calls it, finance on steroids where there are no limits. As we discussed earlier, how is your work packaged? What's the showmanship like? How are you marketing yourself and the art? So while, in the one sense, this levels the playing field because it's not just about who has the best artistic prowess, but you have to ask the question, Do you want to enter an industry where you might face competition who can actually just play the game better than you? Now, what I love about CJ is that she's aware that there are artists who do it for the money, but there are also still artists who make art for the sake of art. 
And I love her sentiment because rather than hating the game, she acknowledges it and doesn't let it get to her. If you want to play the game, you have to know the rules. And if you don't like the rules, you have two options. You quit or you rewrite the rules yourself. So what do you tell somebody who like is coming up right now? What's the best bit of advice you could ever give them? Make art that's true to what you want to make. Like if you like drawing hyperrealism, do hyperrealism. Hyperrealism is not a cool style of art. Right. It's not cool. It hasn't been cool for ages. The cool <laughs> art at the moment is like the kind of like rough Basquiat type vibe. Uh-huh. There's a few artists kind of like, like leveraging. Like dirty graffiti. Yeah, I'm like go for it. If that's your thing, do your thing. But it's got to say something to you. If it doesn't say something to you, no one else is going to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're copying someone else's style, people are going to see that too. It might last for a minute, but they'll mm-hmm. always just say, oh, that looks like so-and-so. So yeah. you've got to find your own thing. And I think you've got to also love it, right? Like you, you have, have to, to love it. Because you're going to do it for hours. Dude, hours. And some artists don't do it for hours. And you're the smart one, to be honest. <laughs> Pick the quick art. That's the only that's <laughs> No, you just got to do stuff. And nowadays there's so few rules. You know, if you want to sign with a gallery, sign with a gallery. If you don't, don't. Mm-hmm. Make the art you want to make. Everyone's got a dinky Instagram account. Throw your shit up there. Like, <laughs> dinky you know, Instagram. Everyone's got a dinky Instagram. How important is social media nowadays? I think it's as important as it it was Uh and I think it's only getting bigger, I think Mm -hmm. in different ways, but I don't think it's going anywhere. You know, like years ago people like, ooh, will it stay around? It's Mm -hmm. like it's just getting bigger. Yeah. But I think if your focus is numbers and your focus is growth of like, oh, I need this many followers and – Get into like the fashion. Influencer yeah, game, become yeah. an influencer and like slip a tit, you know, like get your bot out, like get some fake tits and do it that way. Honestly, if that, if you want numbers, do that. Yeah. So, yeah, like I don't focus because on Because with num- the art, you still have to put in the hours. Like 100%. Like if, yeah, just become a fashion influencer, do that because that, you know, you can grow numbers that way. <laughs> Or like start a hair. I'm glad country. you didn't make me say those words. You could say it. I no, can't say it. No, it's true. So I'm like, I, I don't focus on numbers. I don't work the algorithm. I don't post that much. Like, yeah. you know, I'm just like not focused on that. I just make what I want to make. And I also think Instagram and social media can fool you into thinking that there's a time pressure. There's really not. Like mm. you can just make the work you want to make when you want to make it. Mm-hmm. You don't need to fucking. Produce. No. All of, yeah. and, and maybe there is an element of me like producing for Instagram, but mm, more and more, I'm like, no, I don't really. I just do the shows I want to do when I want to do them, mm-hmm. you know, and at my own pace. If I was really working the algorithm, yo, you're getting two, three, po- five posts from me a day. <laughs> yeah. You might get one or two a week. Uh-huh. You know, I'm like, I'm not so fussed on that. Is, I just give bec- what I want. Because of the power of your Instagram mm-hmm. directly, do you feel like there is fans of um, purchasing the artwork and then fans of CJ the person? Is that happening? Or like, like we just... Went to a restaurant and yeah. like the maitre d' like flipped out that you walked in. That that's never happened before. And yeah, I'm right. Really bad. No, that, that you even brought that up. But, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you're so weird. Um, but yeah, like that. Yeah, that like she recognized yes, you. She probably doesn't know, own your art. No, she just recognized the accent. She's like, Ew. I was like, it's we're another Australian in New York. Okay. Right. Um, but is that happening where you're like controlling CJ the brand? Yeah, but I also don't take it so seriously. If I really wanted to like play it right i would mm-hmm. say the right things do the right things but i run my instagram like a loose unit mm-hmm. like i'll call people out on that i'll post when i want i'll do i show the studio my dog like yeah, it's yeah. not this like hey look at my work it's just like 
my life when uh-huh. I, and, and my life is my work. So it's like I'm not like I'm at the club and like doing all the things. I'm like always in the studio and like just studio antics. That's pretty yeah. much what yeah. what I do, you know. I'm not, right. It's very, very personal. Yeah, it's super personal but like not – I'm not trying to show all the fancy things. It's just like just the work I'm making. You well, know? how do you – you never thought about doing the thing where like, you know, where some artists like they stand in front of their work and they look all like pensive and serious. Oh. Like, like – <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know. once no, again, you... once again, you you be the artist you want to be. Right. If you want to be the flex, the yeah. flex artist, the with all the outfits, do it, uh-huh. nail it, be a god at it. <laughs> I'm just like not that fussed about looking a certain way and you know standing and looking serious. Like I'm yeah. a, I'm Australian as well. Like we have a really different sense of humor, mm-hmm. very self deprecating, and like I play into that because mm-hmm. that's just. Because I would feel like such a wanker if I did that. Honestly, like all my friends would call me out. They're mm-hmm. like, you're an idiot. I'm like, that I am. Yeah. So I, that's why I'm just like, I don't right. take it seriously because it's just not how I was raised and mm-hmm. it's just not how Australians roll. So bottom line is you have to be you. Yeah, 100%. And if you're a wanker, do the wank thing. <laughs> be the best wanker you be can the be. Be the best wanker. Like flex all day long, man. Flex right, the right. sneakers. Live your life. It's just not. It's just not my focus. So yeah. um, you said there's bigger and better things happening. You mentioned the yeah. London show. What mm-hmm. else for 2020 and beyond that we could look out? Is there a is there a like a monograph or like no. a, a television show? No. There's other things I'm working on on the side. Okay. Um, my husband started something um, which is super exciting, and I have a very small plot to pe- play in it. But do you want to plug it? No. Okay, no. fine. He doesn't um, deserve the plug. You're no, right. No, no, no. He does, but he <laughs> no. Gosh, he absolutely does. But it's just, it's for a different discussion because yeah, okay. it's it, that requires a whole podcast because so it's got so a exciting that you help out with occasionally. Yes, yes, exactly, okay. and it's brilliant and mm-hmm. huge in scale. So that's where a lot of our attention lies as well. Okay, but, yeah. And uh, I think in a couple hours you're boarding a plane to Frankfurt. Do you want to <gasps> yes. talk a little bit about why? Holy shit. It's such like a geek fest. Okay. We're going to the World Paper and Pencil Fair in mm-hmm. Frankfurt. Yo, Alveda San. <laughs> is that the language that they speak there? I don't there? know. You probably just <laughs> chopped it up so bad. <laughs> Whoops. Anyway, so yeah, it's this giant fair that happens in Frankfurt every year um, and it's like all the distributors and suppliers and manufacturers of paper, pencil, stationery, this, that, and the mm-hmm. next thing. And I'm going to meet with a couple of the manufacturers to like start my colored pencil line. I know that's so crazy. There's there's one brand I use, Carandash. I'm not rep by them. I'm not paid to say that, but they fucking baller. And I use I, them. I use them only, mm-hmm. but they don't have enough colors and I don't know what's in the material. So I'm like, uh-huh. fuck that. I'm going to make my own. I know exactly what's in there and it's going to be the best pencil, color pencil for like professional artists. So that's what I'm going to make. It's going to be start out your own year. line. 100%. 100%. We can bankroll the whole thing. So it's not a big, big sweat on that end, but like, right. I just don't have a good enough product. Well, I mean, I have a great product, but I yeah. want better. You know that's what? genius because yeah. you have to constantly, like your, what is the annual budget for your pencils? <laughs> How much do you spend on pencils? Do you know? I'd say maybe 50 plus K a year. Holy shit. Yeah, but also the pencils I use are expensive. So Caran d'Ache are like a Swiss mega, like they're like the Beyonce of pencils. And there's other brands, but like that's the one I really like. I swear to God, I'm not paid by it. Like I'm, I have right. nothing to do no, with the company. Yeah. I'm gotten, I've still got to <laughs> buy the pencils, but right. they just make a product that is light fast. It's like got the qualities I need yeah, in yeah. like a lot like uh, you know but it's genius because if you spend upwards of 50k a year on pencils yeah if you start your own pencil line i know 
you'll you'll at least be paying costs. At worst, you'll be paying totally, costs. Totally. Right? So at the end of the day, like my ambitions for this pencil company is very selfish yeah. in that I just want an epic brand where mm-hmm. there's so many colors and the right. quality of the pencil is so high and mm-hmm. light fast and all that. But I And don't, an unlimited supply. A hundred percent of the <laughs> and like the packaging needs to be right because like just a quick one, art supplies the packaging's shit. Mm-hmm. Have you gone into an art store recently? Everything looks like a dinky DIY yeah. setup. I'm just like not about that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I just I have very fun ambitions for this pencil company. Yeah. Fuck it. It'll be fun. Mainly selfish, but it could become something. <laughs> but right. the goal's not for it to become anything. It's just like a selfish thing. That's awesome. That but you want to sell them. Yeah, we'll sell them. Yeah. If they sell, but I'm not going to push them on anyone. Like <laughs> Right. You'll just, just use them all. Me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll look out for that. Yeah, I don't even know the brand name yet. (laughs) That won't be called my name. That's so lame. Right. All right, cool. Yeah. Thanks a lot for coming. Jeff, thank you for having me. I'm really, I'm such a fan of the pod. Awesome. Huge fan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for listening to my hilarious and fun talk with the ever-talented CJ Hendry. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please do me a solid and leave a rating and comment to tell us what you think of the show. We now have over 550 reviews with a five-star rating. That is amazing. And also, if you have any friends interested in the art world, Tell them about this episode. I think they'll appreciate it. We occasionally answer listener questions on the show. So if you have a question, shoot it over to me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Jeff Staple. Our associate producer is Christina Hong. Photography for this episode was captured by Ali Imam. As always, you can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes at hypebeast.com slash radio. This episode was recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic at the Staple headquarters in New York City. The interludes were recorded during the stain shelter policies to combat the spread of corona, and so we apologize for any subpar audio. We're doing our best over here. Thanks again for listening. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hype Beast Radio. 